Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by America's Card Room, ACR, where in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have yet another Venom. The Venom is one of the most popular high stakes online poker tournaments in the world. It's got a $10 million guaranteed prize pool. And there are satellites for this event running round the clock on ACR. If you're not yet signed up to play, just click the link in the description of this podcast and you too can join in the fun and hopefully catch a pretty bad case of venom fever yourself. My name is Clayton Fletcher and I'm your host right here in beautiful New York City where it's actually less than beautiful right now. The rain is coming down right outside my window, but that is not going to hurt my spirits. No, sir, not today. I am very happy with how things have been going. The podcast is doing great. The numbers are up. We're all very excited about the weekly free roll, $1,000 in free money. You can win your share of $1,000 on ACR in a free roll, which means there's no buy-in. It's free. No financial commitment whatsoever. You just need an ACR account. And the password, which we will be giving away later on in this episode, Nothing's going to break my stride. I don't mind the rain. A little rain isn't so bad. We are having fun. We played the first ever TPE free roll last Sunday. It was a great time. We also had the uh, Killing Bird home game. Now, you know, shout out to Derek Killing Bird Tenbush, who is a, a great guy and a really fun Twitch streamer. You should check him out, twitch.tv slash killingbird joining the shenanigans. We'll be doing it all again this Sunday, January 15th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So yeah, I'm obviously in a good mood, doing well. I'm excited about my 2023 goals. I'm going to play 80 live tournaments, 300 online tournaments, study for 200 hours, play 300 live cash game hours, and do 48 podcast episodes for you guys. Also, I have intentions to stay more focused during my poker tournaments, especially the live ones, and not be on my phone, but rather be paying attention to my opponents and their tendencies, and more social afterwards. So those are the stated goals from last week's episode. I just wanted to recap them real quick. I want you guys to tweet me at Clayton Comic. Let's all be accountable to each other. Let me know what your poker goals are are for 2023. Today I want to jump right into strategy. I have a few hands I wanted to go over on this episode. These are all going to be from something called the LA Poker Open. It's here in the United States of America in a state known as California and they have a tournament series in the fall. They have another one in the winter. They have another one in the spring. There always seems to be something big happening at the commerce. Well, this one was an $1,100 buy-in with a million dollar guaranteed prize pool and three starting flights. So I was 
out there in sunny California back in November, and I played in a few events in this L.A. poker open thingy in between comedy performances at places like Flappers Comedy Club. Shout out to Flappers, to all my friends in Burbank, California. Also the Comedy Chateau, which I'd never been to before and had a great time. A couple of other places where I did some stand-up. And when I didn't have work at night, I decided to jump in and play during the day, knowing that if I made it far, made it deep in one of these things, I would not have to cancel any comedy commitments to play poker. So I think this one was day 1B of this $1,100 tournament, and the blinds were 300, 500, and 500. We had about 35K. It was fairly early. The I believe you started this tournament with 25,000 in chips, and at this point we had about 33,000, so we were doing just fine. There were a few much bigger stacks at our table, including a Russian... Now, let's be honest, he may have been Ukrainian or perhaps Slovakian. I'm not particularly good at differentiating among Eastern European accents, full disclosure. Anyway, he has been playing uh, at least 50 or 60% of all the hands. And in this case, he opens from middle position to 1,100 tournament chips against 300, 500, 500. And this player opens. And now on his immediate left are two very, very bad, very, very loose, and very passive, fishy players who both call. Now, we are in the small blind with 35K, and we have the 10 of hearts and 7 of hearts. Now, when it goes raised from middle and then two calls in late position, normally we just don't want to play the uh, suited two gappers. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a junk hand, 10-7 suited. It's not really going to appear on anybody's charts for hands that should be defended from the small blind. I mean, honestly, the small blind is a pretty rough position to be in when you have uh, a hand that most likely can flop either nothing or at best a draw because it's hard to make money from out of position and it doesn't get worse than first to act after the flop which of course that's what the small blind is. So if your inclination is just to fold, I don't blame you. I don't really think we should be putting this hand into our three bet bluffing range either just because we don't really block anything that we would like to be blocking with a 10 of hearts, seven of hearts. So that leaves calling and this is clearly very optional and very marginal, but that was the decision that I decided to make and the reason for making that decision was mostly that I have three very loose opponents and I think that I should be able to get a lot of value on the rare instance when I actually flop something good. So I do make the call. Oh, and another reason why I made the call here, guys, the big blind was a very uncreative, very straightforward ABC type of player. He hasn't really gotten out of line. I don't think he's the type to suddenly put in like a big three bet squeeze or what have you. So I wasn't too worried about him. I decided to call and expected him to call as well. And then we would see the flop. And that's precisely what happens. So I call for 800 more. And then the big blind throws in 600 more. And now there is 6,000 
in the middle and all of our opponents actually have us covered. The Russian who opened the pot has 60K. Uh, the middle position players have around 40 each. And the big blind was right around 50,000. So we are the effective stack. We started with 35. We just put in 11. So now we've got about 34K and the pot is 6,000. So five players see the flop and it comes. Nine of hearts, four of hearts, tray of hearts. And hero, Clayton in the small blind, has a flush with the 10-7 of hearts. Uh, I love to try to find spots for donk leads, and I think flopping so well here made me want to put in a bet. I'm hoping to get raised when I just bet only 1,500, precisely one quarter of the pot. And with all of these opponents, I'm hoping that one of them will take the bait. Uh, the big blind doesn't oblige me. He just calls. And then the Russian, the villain in this hand, makes it 6,500. And then the action folds. The two uh, loose passive opponents fold. And the action's back on me. So I wasn't exactly sure. I want to know what you guys think of this spot right here. So it goes... Donk lead, I bet right out on the flop. I don't think too many players would put me on a flush because if you have such a strong hand, wouldn't you want to check to the raiser or let somebody else bet so that you can go for the check raise, yada, yada. Well, that's exactly why I did it. I thought that this bet might confuse people. And now we've just got to figure out how to get all in. Now that the Russian has made it 6,500, how best to proceed well, if the big blind hadn't called my original 1500 bet on the flop, I think that I would just keep raising here. But in this spot, I have a chance to possibly win a really large pot. Like if I can keep the big blind in, I mean, a dream scenario would be for both of these players to have exactly one heart, either the ace of hearts or the king of hearts. And if both of them do, I could end up winning a very large pot as they're both chasing the flush, but also blocking each other <laughs> from getting there. So that's kind of the dream scenario. And that's what I'm going for here when I just call this raise from the Russian player. Again, had the big blind gotten out of the way a little bit earlier when I first bet the 1500, then I think we can make a better case for trying to get all in. I think that this Russian player will probably get all in with us when he has two red queens, two red kings, two red aces hands like that and obviously this Russian player was so aggressive and so loose that he might actually do it with some other hands too like possibly just the ace queen with the ace of hearts or maybe even ace queen with just the queen of hearts uh, he liked to play fast and he kept trying to get all those chips in and by the way guys it was working out great for him as he had the largest stack at the table at this time so uh, that's what I'm hoping is going to happen so I just call here and I'm hoping that the big blind does something stupid either calling or raising uh, I'm not too worried about being beat here like yeah if you're if your 10 high flush is no good then it's just not your day you know I'm happy to get this whole stack in no matter what the action so that's what we're looking for we want to see some action I call and to my delight the big blind also over calls now if you've never been to Southern California Hearing about this hand may really surprise you. Like, what the heck do all these guys have? Why are they putting so many chips in when we have the nuts? And I don't blame you for thinking that way, but it's not my first time in L.A. And I've seen this before. I'm not scared of the action. I firmly believe 
that 90% of the time, my 10 high flush is good as gold, despite the inflated pot that I'm now playing with it. It's the overcall, and now we've got like 27,000 in the middle, and that's about what I have remaining in my stack. When the turn comes, the ace of spades. So now our board is nine of hearts, four of hearts, tray of hearts, ace of spades, and we are still three-handed on the turn. Uh, I think it would be odd to lead again. Uh, the Russian player decided to take the lead in the hand, and we let him take it when he raised us on the flop. So I'm pretty happy to check it over to him. I'm hoping he bets again. But if not, with just a pot-sized bet left, as long as the river is a brick, I figure I can shove and get called by worse more easily on the river than I can here on the turn. So we're checking, and we don't really care what happens. The big blind checks behind us, but then our Russian friend puts in 12,000 tournament units into the 27K pot. And at that point, it's up to Clayton with a flush. So yeah, I put in 27,000 total and the big blind finally folds. So he's done with this one. And our Russian friend snap calls with pocket fours. So he had flopped middle set and he bricks off. And at that point in this tournament, I had a mountain of chips and I was feeling good having taken the chip lead at my table. What do you guys think about my small bet on the flop and my decision to just call the raise to 6,500 on the flop in this multi-way pot? That was the, the part of this hand that I was most curious about. You guys know I probably lead out a little more often than most of you, especially in multi-way pots. So I need to balance my donk leading range and that means I have to have the nuts sometimes. Let me know what you think on Twitter at Clayton Comic. And while you're there, you can also ask me for and not receive the password for this week's free roll. I will not be giving the free roll out on Twitter. That's not going to happen. We are trying. Speaking of Russians, we are trying to eliminate the number of Russian players who are not actually fans of TPE or the TPE podcast from entering this free roll on Sunday, which by the way is going to start at 5 p.m. Eastern and is limited to the first 300 players. So you should try to find it right now on the ACR client. You want to click on the private tab and look for Tournament Poker Edge or TPE free roll and you're going to use the password Venom23, V-E-N-O-M-2-3. So you type that into the password box and you will be eligible to be one of 300 players vying for a share of the $1,000 prize pool courtesy of our very generous sponsor, America's Card Room. All right, let's do another hand. It's 300 and 600 now with a 600 big blind ante. And your boy, CF, is one of the chip leaders in the tournament with 110,000. And the average is just 35,000. So we have over 3x the average. That's always a good feeling. By the way, does anyone remember Harrington on Hold'em? Our Q is 3. Q. So in that book, he talks about M, which he did not invent. That was invented by Paul McGrill, which is what the M stands for. And M, of course, is your stack-to-pot ratio before the flop. 
But Q, which didn't survive as well as M did, not that you hear M very often anymore either, but yeah, Q is the relationship between the average stack and my stack. So you wanna have a positive Q. A Q of two would mean you have twice the average stack. And in this case, we are like just over a Q of three. Harrington and Hold'em, fun fact for you right there. So yeah, we've got 110K, the same Russian player from the previous hand, now with 50,000 in his stack, opens from middle position to 1,600. And I am once again in the small blind. This time, we've got the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. So in the small blind, facing an open from a very loose, aggressive Eastern European opponent, I think it's a pretty compulsory three bet. So I made it 4,600, and the action folds back to our Russian friend who calls. So we're going to be heads up, out of position, with the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Clubs, and with 10,500 in the middle, the effective stack being that of the villain with about 49, 48, 49K. So his SPR on the flop is about four and a half. The flop comes Jack of Diamonds, 10 of Diamonds, four of Hearts. Jack, 10, four with two Diamonds. And Hero has the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. Now to me, when I am the pre-flop three better, I usually do continue showing strength on the flop. I mean, I should have pocket jacks for the nuts. I should have queens. I should have kings. Uh, of course, I have ace-king, ace-queen, which don't have anything right now. I might even have pocket tens. I think against this opponent, I would have been three betting with tens from the small blind. So I have a nuts advantage. I have a range advantage. And I have a skill advantage. At least I have a perceived skill advantage. Time will tell. Uh, so yeah, I will normally be c-betting this flop and almost every flop, if I'm being honest, because I'm just supposed to have an overpair to every board a lot of the time when I am the pre-flop three better. So I just put in 3K into the 10,500 pot. We used to call this down betting when you make a flop bet that is lower than the raise you put in before the flop. But yeah, I don't really think that that is so uncommon now. So people just call it betting nowadays. And my Russian friend makes the call. So we're going to see a turn with 16,500 in the middle. The turn is a blank, the deuce of spades. So our board is now jack, 10, four, deuce with two diamonds, hero, with the ace of hearts, queen of clubs for absolutely nothing, unless you count tremendous heart and potential. Uh, I don't have that much heart, obviously, because I did not fire a second barrel. I checked this card with the intention of most likely folding to a large bet, but maybe calling a tiny one to see if I can hit a king on the river or something, you know, not really knowing how many outs I have. Being out of position against an aggressive opponent isn't very fun. So my check was essentially a give up, but my Russian friend decided to check right along with me, perhaps because he's seen me check raise on 4th Street several times in this tournament. Keep in mind, guys, we've been sitting together for quite a while, so he seems to have been paying attention and he's not falling for my usual tricks 
At least that's probably what he was thinking, or so I thought, in the moment. So he checks back, and so the river is the ten of hearts for a final board of jack of diamonds, ten of diamonds, four of hearts, deuce of spades, ten of hearts. So the ten of hearts pairs the board, no flush gets there, and no straight gets there, notably. And I check once more, and this time, villain bets 5,500 into the 16,500 pot. Oh, man, this is a spot. I don't like it at all. I've got ace high, which could very well be good, especially on a board like this one in which so many draws have missed. King queen didn't get there. Any two diamonds didn't get there. Nine eight open ended didn't get there. So there is a reasonable chance that ace queen is good. Uh, I'm getting very good pot odds. He bet 5,500 into the 16,500 pot, which is exactly one third offering me four to one on a call. So I essentially only need to win 20% of the time. That's just one time out of five in order for this call to break even. And if he's bluffing more often than that, then, well, I'm making money. So I don't know. I, I can't fold. I'm, I find myself struggling to lay it down. I, it doesn't feel very bluffy, but just on the off chance that it is, uh, like I say, I don't. I'm not losing that much if he's ever bluffing here. So, yeah, I shrugged and put in the call, and my opponent says "You're good." That was the worst Russian accent you've ever heard. I'm sure of it. But he said I was good, but I still didn't turn my hand over because I'd rather wait for him to muck just in case I'm actually not good. So he finally does turn over the nine of spades, seven of spades. So he flopped the bottom end of an inside straight draw with no backdoor flush possibilities and two over cards. Yeah, I think this is a pretty ambitious call that he made on the flop. Again, I, I bet one third of the pot on the flop. So there I offered him four to one, just as he's returned the favor here on the river for me. But still, I think that's a pretty ambitious call by him uh, he did have position so that's one thing he had going his way but yeah i'm not sure that in villain's shoes i would be calling the uh three bet before the flop with the nine seven suited and i definitely don't think i would have called the flop bet with such an inauspicious holding uh but yeah he did so and then he tried the uh, desperate bluff on the end and tried to make it look like a value bet. Doyle Brunson calls this a post-oak bluff, which is when you bet small looking like you're trying to milk somebody, but you're actually bluffing him. So uh, in, a, in a way, he put in a post-oak bluff. As river bets go in 2022, this sizing would have been considered incredibly small. So I couldn't help myself. I made the call and I won yet another pot as a result. I also have to question the wisdom, by the way, of choosing that particular river card to bluff at all. I mean, uh, it's less likely he has a 10, so that's one less thing for me to worry about. When you see the board pair, it's usually time to give up on whatever bluffing ideas you may have had. And I say usually because, you know, there are no real always <laughs> or never scenarios in poker. But typically, if the board pairs, that's not a good look for you trying to represent a card that is just less likely, way less likely that you actually have 
that card anymore. And if that 10 didn't help you, then Ace-Queen is probably good. So I don't like his choice of bluff card. I don't like his choice of sizing. I think you're better off bluffing for a, a larger amount to polarize yourself and doing so when that third diamond finally comes in or maybe uh, a nine or a queen or an ace, like some card that finishes something that your opponent may have been drawing towards. So that's my take on this hand. What do you guys think? You can tweet me at Clayton Comic. Let me know what you think of, of both of these hands that we've discussed. You can also find me on Discord. We're going to put a link in the description to this podcast where you can join the TPE Discord. We have a very lively discussion in progress right now about a hand that Derek played a week or two ago. We also like to put information about upcoming giveaways, promotions, special events, free rolls, and all that stuff. It's absolutely free. Just click the link in the description and join the conversation on Discord. And that'll do it for this episode. And I'm looking forward to seeing many of you in just a couple of days. This coming Sunday, January 15th at 5 p.m., we do have our $1,000 tournament Poker Edge free roll on America's Card Room. So, for everybody here at Tournament Poker Edge, and with special thanks to our very generous sponsor, ACR, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Love nobody. Everybody, everybody.